Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Ghost. Uh, they didn't. They said it's a ghost, but they didn't understand it. You try to explain the unexplainable. Have you ever seen anything unexplainable? Saw somebody walking on the water. Immediately, you don't. It's not even a conscious effort. Your mind immediately goes through. Uh, this exercise of, okay, there's something on the water. Um, the water is not solid. Water is a liquid. Okay, there's three, there's actually four states of matter. Okay, there's, there's solid, liquid, gas, and who knows the, the fourth one? Plasma. Extra credit for you. <coughs> Plasma. When you, when you have liquid and you set something on the liquid, what normally happens? It sinks. If it doesn't, it's, it's floating. And, and usually if you're on a, a body of water, like the sea or a river, um, the, the, your mind subconsciously goes through a little list of things that would be on the body of water that are known to be able to be on the body of water, like a boat or... A raft, a, a body. Actually, those normally sink. It'd be, it'd be, I was thinking more like a duck. Um, <coughs> especially down here, you guys go down and feed, feed the ducks. And little, they're good little paddlers. So, so immediately your your mind goes through that. It's like it's like when you pull up to an intersection and you're, and you're driving a car and you look left and right, whether you know it or not, your mind is going through an inventory of things that you know could be coming. That would, that would prevent you from being able to go ahead or turn, like car, truck, semi, etc. Motorcycle is down on the list pretty far. It's one of the reasons why it's a little bit dangerous to drive a motorcycle. One, you're not protected from anything. It's not, and two, it has nothing to do with how well you drive. It's everybody else out there. <laughs> I, I'm not saying, if you have a motorcycle, I'm not saying don't drive a motorcycle. I'm just saying, like, be constantly aware, defensive driving, because people's checklists go very far down, and motorcycle is pretty far down on the list. Car, truck, Pee-wee, you, you've ridden, right? You know what I'm saying? You, gotta, you have one headlight. You see, you see headlights coming at you, and you only see one. Your mind kind of freaks out a little bit. It's either a motorcycle or it's a car that has a blown headlight. So these, these imagine you're out there on the sea, and, it's, and it is a stormy, stormy night, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, the waves are rushing, the wind is blowing, and you see something coming at you. So these disciples have this little inventory going on in their head, and they're like, well, that's not a boat, it's not a raft, it's bigger than a duck, <laughs> and it looks humanoid, it looks like a person. So... We know that people usually sink in the water 
or and, and anything that's left sticking up would be maybe a head or they'd be flat on their back or something like that. But you know, they see somebody who's standing straight up like I am right now. And so their answer is probably what many of ours would be. It's, you know, they didn't have holograms, so it's a ghost or something like that. Or who knows what we'd come up with. Or it's maybe it's one of those lizards that runs really fast. You seen those lizards run really fast across the world? Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to throw a little humor in here. You guys are way too serious. All right. They were troubled. Said it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Because if it is a ghost or a spirit and it's walking toward you, it's probably not selling Avon. <laughs> or Mary Kay or whatever. Girl style cookies. Okay, so Jesus, being the fairly smart guy that we know he is, was like, oh, they're freaking out. Probably not normal. So he says, hey, be of good cheer. It's I. Be not afraid. Everybody see that okay? <laughs> okay, so he's identified himself. Still doesn't really explain why he's walking on the water, but it, but Jesus does weird stuff all the time. He rubs dirt in people's eyes to make them see again. Number one, it's hard to make people see again. And uh, if any of you have ever had LASIK, I haven't. So can you tell me, do they do they use clay or mud in that process? Who's had LASIK surgery? Clay or mud, is that what they use? No, okay. So Peter, <laughs> like, I've seen this guy do weird stuff, and I've seen him tell other people to do weird stuff, and they've been able to do it. So he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Here's the kicker. When he saw the wind, boisterous, that's a fun word. Let's see here. There's a footnote. Violent. They picked to use the word boisterous. Ken, you're in the you're in, you're in law enforcement. Is, is there a charge for being boisterous? <laughs> the wind was the wind, the wind was violent. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. <coughs> There's a storm. In, our, in, our, in many of our lives, and we go through them occasionally, and there's a period of calm waters, and it's pretty easy to be calm in the boat in calm waters. You can have a drink, you can kick back, things are going like they should, you know, you can write a letter, you can do all kinds of things, and it's probably pretty easy to do just about anything in that boat when it's, uh, when it's calm, but, so if you're in a rubber raft and you're going down the river lazily, you can talk, 
catch up on your correspondence. But when, when you hit the rapids, nobody's having a, a drink. They're not trying to eat or, or, uh, or having a chat. They're all focused on what's going on around them. Everybody's got an oar. They're all trying to push in the same direction. I've never been whitewater rafting, but that's my understanding. <laughs> when, when, when everything's getting a little bit rough, it's kind of hard to, uh, to be of good cheer. It's kind of hard to, to do anything but focus on what's happening around you. When you have a storm in your life, where your focus tends to be on that storm. It's easy to come to church when things are going good. It's easy to worship the Lord and say your prayers every night when there's no problem. You've got a job and things are at work are going okay and your family's doing good. But something throws a wrench in there and there's a storm. Some of the, sometimes, and I'm very guilty of this, what's some of the first things to go out the window? Everything that God wants us to do. We get to a financial crisis, we stop, you know, we stop kind of the extraneous spending sometimes. A lot of times, what do we stop first? Tithing. Stop tithing. Still get our coffee every morning, though. That $4 cup of coffee. What's the first thing that happens when things are going, going rough at home? We stop you know, you get frustrated or you get mad at somebody or you get angry. You know, you stop coming to church. You get frustrated with the Lord. Somebody's got gotten sick, worried about your family. You know, it's either going to do one of two things. It's going to drive you to pray more or you're just going to stop praying altogether. <laughs> We're talking about having courage in the middle of the storm. Not before, not after, right in the middle of it while it's going on. What does that courage look like? And I want to encourage you to, to not stop those things. Those are the things you should continue to do even more in the midst of your storm. Because if you sever your lifeline, you sever your connection to Jesus, then you've, you've severed your connection to the answer. Because when Jesus gets in the middle of your storm, what happens? The wind ceases. Jesus can teach you through any storm, any of the storms of life. And we're all going to have them. They come up at different times. Don't ever overlook anything that's written in this, in this word, in this Bible. Don't stop reading it. Even when God's not talking to you, when Jesus isn't speaking, he's still teaching through his word, through the things that you've hidden in your heart. That's why it's important to, to put these things into your heart so that they can come into mind. That's why we, we sing songs over and over again. We put a lot of scriptures to song, like all the psalms and all these different things. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of a mnemonic device. It helps us to remember to get those things into our heart. And notice, what was Jesus doing right before he came to the disciples? He was praying. He went off by himself to pray. Jesus did this several times in the Bible, and I'm sure he did a lot more that they didn't write about. 
Jesus is praying. We talk about the Trinity. We know that, that Jesus, you know, is, is, is God. Who's he praying to? Father. So if Jesus took time to pray, and we're supposed to model ourselves after Jesus, what should we do? We should probably pray also. <coughs> How many of you have trouble reading your Bible and praying on a regular basis? My hand's way up here. Get busy. I forget. I'm tired. It's, it's hard. I, I'm the same. But Jesus, well, I wonder what he was going to pray for. You think maybe he was going to pray and get his, his heart and mind right? Maybe he was going to pray for his disciples, for the storm that was coming up, for the lessons that he needed to teach them. Jesus prays for us in advance of our storms. How much time are you spending alone? Remember what, what it said up here? When he had sent the multitudes away, verse 23, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. It's good to come to church, and it's important that we, that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and gather, gather corporately. But that's not a substitution for your alone time with the Lord. And, and your alone time with the Lord and your time, you know, listening to a, to a, to a sermon or something on TV is, is not a substitution for coming to church and gathering corporately to worship. Because this relationship is important. The ones that you have here is your church family. There's a reason why, why we don't attend church on TV because you can't call those people. They're not going to come see you in the hospital. When, when you get into a little bit of trouble and you need some help, and you need to call somebody and, and to, to come and, and, and sit with you or, to, or, to, or, or we get together and we help somebody financially that's in need, they're not going to do that. That's what this church family is for because when you help somebody that's in need, when they have a problem and, and we all give and we help them out, we do that because we love them because that's what God has told us to do. And we know that if we get into a trap, we're going to help each other too. We're, we're sort of this, we're sort of the boat, this Christian vessel, so that we can help each other weather our storms. And when your side of the boat starts leaking, you got people here and come and help you plug it up. And we can help and we can we can pray for one another. Okay. I know I'm jumping around a lot of topics, but this is a this is a big topic. And there's no way we can get to all the, all of this, but understanding what storms are. And the tools that God has given us to be able to weather, weather them, I think, is extremely important. One of the tools he's given us is, is prayer in our personal life. Being apart and being alone and being able to pray and commune with the Lord. Another one is, is his word and these songs of worship and these things that we do, repeating them and getting them into, into our hearts so we can draw upon them when we need them. And the third one is, is, is being able to have a church family, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and a, and a pastor that you can call and have access to. We can help each other to weather those storms because we need each other. And those are all very important. Just like you have your own smaller boat of a family at home, and you draw close to each other, and you, you draw together, and you help each other. <coughs> okay? We're all, so those are three things.
Jesus had the unique ability to teach through issues and incidents and accidents and adversities. Don't ever overlook anything that's written in the Bible. I'm going to, you can turn there if you want, but I'm going to show you a quick scripture of uh, 2 Timothy. See how cool this is? So 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. I'll just click on the, on the Bible and the chapter, and then I can skip up here. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to jump to verse 16. <laughs> All right, everybody see that? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's see what in the Amplified here. You can see how much longer the Amplified is. All Scripture is God-breathed given by divine inspiration, is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the importance of Scripture and why you shouldn't overlook any of it. What it says, it's useful. It profits you, it profits your family. It helps you to defend your faith. It helps you to teach others about the Lord and what he wants from us. When, even when Jesus is silent, he's still teaching. When he's present, he's teaching. When he's absent, he's teaching. He's given us these tools so that when we don't have a direct word from him, we're, you know, it's silence in heaven. Might be a reason for that. Maybe it means you need to wait on him a little bit more. Maybe it means you need to get into his word, see what his word says. It's also important that when you feel like you've gotten a word from the Lord, that it's confirmed where? In here. And, and, and witnesses will confirm it as well. But it's, if it doesn't line up with the word, there's a good chance that maybe it was something that you know, it could be, could be the enemy. It could be just, just kind of missed it a little bit. Or maybe it's something you wanted. I really feel like the Lord wants me to move to Hawaii, and I really feel like all of you are supposed to help me get there. So if you'll get out your checkbooks right now and write me a check, John W. Burke, uh, everybody for $100. <clears throat> I don't think that's what God wants. That would be a lot of fun, but that's not what God wants for me. At least not at this time. You can, I can make God say anything. I can make God, you know, do anything I want. But it's, but it's probably not going to line up here. Because it's really easy to say, oh, I was praying, I really felt like the Lord X, Y, Z. I really felt like the Lord didn't really want me to go to church anymore. He wants me to be able to go and, in line with the Word. Word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. God knew that we'd need a support system. So when people tell you stuff that's obviously wrong, you can kind of, you know, thank them for their time. And if, it's, if they're trying to tell you that to do something, you can just say, I appreciate that word. I'm going to go and meditate on it. And the bigger the word, the more it interrupts your life, the more you should meditate on it. The more you should seek out <laughs> scripture. You, know, you get a word from somebody that says, I just feel like the Lord wanted to tell you that he loves you and he's got a plan for your life. Great. That's not a problem. 
we already know that that's true in the Word. God loves me, and he has a plan for my life. That's a good word. You could, it checks off the boxes pretty fast. But if I, if I come to you in, a, in the middle of prayer up here or something like that, and I say, God's telling me uh, that, that, he, that he wants me to, to instruct you, that he wants you to move to Russia, you're going to be going there in the next month, and you're probably going to be living the rest of your life there, and he wants you to minister there. Maybe he is, but that's a pretty big life-altering decision and change. And I told you that. Now, if, you're, if, you're, if lately you've been drawn to scriptures about ministry and about, about uh, stories in the Bible that, that were, where God has been sending people to, uh, to other nations and, and into the world, and maybe you've been hearing things about Russia lately and they've been sticking in your heart and you've been talking with other people in your family and, and for some reason that's been coming up and maybe God's given you kind of a drive in your heart for missions and, and for some reason you just have a love for the Russian people. Now things are starting to line up a little bit with that word, aren't they? And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're, you're praying your daily life, Lord, if this is a word from you, you know, I, I believe you've given me a passion for it, you're going to have to make a way. Well, next thing you know, you, you start applying, you get a job offer over there or two. You start getting some funds over there. Other people in your family, like maybe like, like your spouse, uh, probably was like, yeah, that's good. But if they're going like, um, I'm not going, that's probably a no. Um, because when you're married, you, you tend to get words together, and they tend to be confirmed one with another. That should be one of the first people that you're speaking to that in their prayer life, they should be saying, like, I feel like the Lord's showing me this. Can you, can you pray about that and meditate on it? And, and if it is, they'll probably confirm it to you. You see, you see how all these things work? Don't just take somebody's word up here as gospel if it is a major life-altering decision. Because guess what? They're human. We miss it. Even, even pastors, they're human. We miss it. I've missed it a lot. That's why we have this check and balance system that God has set up. Kind of like our government is supposed to have, this check and balance system. God has set it up that way too. His word is a standard for our life. When our life doesn't match up with the standard, we don't try to change the standard to fit our life. We change our life to fit the standard. Because the standard is instruction manual for the boat that you're supposed to be in to weather these storms. And if you start changing the boat, yeah, it sounds like a good idea to take out that little section of the boat to put in another, another motor because you'll go faster. That's not in the instruction book. Because God knows that if you do that, your boat is going to be uh, off kilter. It's not going to be balanced. So when a storm comes up, even though you've been going much faster, storm comes up, it's going to flip. You can't weather that storm. There's lots of things that seem like a great plan, or they, or they feel right, or they feel good. Why is sin such a problem? Because it's fun. Man, it's fun. Do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it. That feels good. That seems nice. That tastes good. I feel great when I drink that. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't have nearly the problem that we have with it. Every single one of us is struggling with something. Because somewhere along the way, we missed insert tab A into port B, and we didn't connect that part of the boat, and there's a leak. 
You're having trouble weathering that storm because you missed an instruction somewhere. Or you decided it wasn't important. Or, dadgummit, it's just too hard with these tools that I have. I couldn't pound that nail in properly. When in reality, you needed to ask for some help. And I'm not preaching from a pedestal up here. Lord knows my boat is leaky. I need your help. I need the word. I need prayer. We're all in this together. We all have leaky boats. <laughs> we all need teaching. Notice that Jesus sent the multitudes away. They were constantly clamoring for his time. Why didn't he spend all of his time with them? <coughs> Why did he invest in 12 guys? Why were there times when he sent them away too like this? Jesus sent everyone away and was then left alone. It doesn't matter who you are. There are times that you feel apart from Jesus and totally alone. In fact, sometimes it seems like Jesus is aloof and, and, a, and he set himself apart from you. Like he doesn't care what you're going through or he's not there. You're not sure if he even cares. <laughs> His silence sometimes is an instruction. Okay. All right. Yo en este momento estoy pasando una prueba muy difícil en mi vida. In this moment he's passing a, a very difficult time in his life. Y necesito la oración de todos los que están aquí quiero darle una confesión delante de los ojos de Dios y delante de los ojos he, de todos. He wants to give a testimony to everybody and wants the prayers from everybody in the trials that he is going through. Yo he hecho cosas muy feas. He's done a lot of wrong things. He maltratado a la mujer que amo. And he's mistreated the woman that he loves. And he wants his. Quiero pedir perdón ante Dios. He wants his wants her to come up front with his daughter and to ask her for forgiveness for all the the mess up that he's done in her life. And his tears are from um, depression. And, and into God and unto her. He loves God as much as he loves her. He wants the help of God and us as his people from the church from the church to recuperate his family. Pray a lot for him and his family. You want to come up? If you've ever had a problem with, with, with this on either side, 
feeling unloved or, or, or yeah, no loving, I want to encourage you to, uh, to come up here. And this is, this is a perfect thing we've been talking about about a storm. He had prayer. He's had a conviction in his life. And this is that third part of the boat that I talk about. He knows in his heart from prayer, been convicted that he needs help. The word confirms that. We can't do things on our own. So this is our church family gathered together to do that, to weather a storm. So stretch your hands out this way. And as they're praying, we're going to say a corporate prayer together. Father God, we ask you to look down right now. See this family, man, woman, and child. <laughs> Lord, we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory. Lord, your glory. We've done things that are wrong. You've heard his confession. He's hurt the woman that he loves. He's hurt his family. He's made decisions that weren't pleasing to you, Lord. But your grace is sufficient. And no matter where we've come from, Lord, sin is this great equalizer. It doesn't matter if we're young or old, man or woman, black or white. It doesn't matter the color of our skin or what country we've come from. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor is irrelevant. It only matters that we're all guilty of sin. And if we're guilty of one part of the law, then we're guilty of all of it. So nothing we can do is good enough. So as fellow sinners, we reach our hands out to this man and his family. And Lord, we pray for him. Lord, we ask that you would forgive his sins as he's confessed them to us. He's confessed them to you. We know that you are able and you are just and you are true. Your grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins, including his, Lord. So we stand with him. The word says, wherever two or more are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. So we know you are here. Holy Spirit, we know you are moving and working. Lord, your word says, two or more are gathered, you are there. Not only that, if they shall agree upon anything, ask it to be done. In accordance with your will and your word, it will be done. So our prayer is that you restore this family. <laughs> Draw them together. Jesus is the cornerstone, Lord God. Wrap them around that strong core that is your word, your love. Let their love be strengthened. Lord, a three-chord strand, man, woman, and God. A cord that can't be cut as long as it's wrapped around you, Lord God. And as it begins to unravel at times, Lord, I pray that you would help them to grab those ends and wrap them back around you, Lord God, and around each other. Let this man be a leader for his family. Let this be the turning point in his life. He will stand up, and he will be the catalyst for change, Lord God. That they would draw close to each other in their marriage. <coughs> that they, Lord God, would would get things right with you, that they would be a good mother and a good father Lord, for their, their little girl, that he would lead them in prayers and in studying of your word, that your love 
for them would abound. And through that example, and being more like Christ, their love for each other would continue to flow. That they would make decisions with the other in mind. That selfishness would, would be washed away. And giving, Lord God, of themselves to each other, that that would be their focus. We ask for your presence to be on them today and as they go, and as they spend time together, and as they work forward toward each and every day that they would get up, daily take up their cross, daily reaffirm their love for you and their love for each other. We bind the enemy's plans. He'll surely come and try to attack them, Lord God. He'll try to say that this wasn't real. or He'll put obstacles in their life, more storms on the horizon. But I pray that they're able to strengthen their family ship, their family unit, to be able to weather any storm. Because you are at the helm, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to give a praise testimony and ask that the Spirit go through to this young man. Some of you know Donna's story and know that this past summer she had to testify against some serial killers. But she realized she had to forgive. And she prayed, and she actually told them in the hearing testimony, they said, you know, they have been found guilty. Your thoughts on the death penalty. And she said, whatever you do is whatever you do and decide, Judge. God's vengeance is worse. But my prayer is that they come to know God. That they come to know God. Because what he would have for them in the ever out in eternity is much worse than anything that could be done to them on earth. After the hearings were done, the attorney that represented them got permission from the judge to call her. Because one of the young men said, I heard what you said. He became a Christian. And the chaplain in the prison, where he's at, on death row, calls her periodically with updates. He became a strong Christian. The defense attorney became a Christian. Uh, and that three weeks ago, he called her and he said, I don't even know what your belief is except Christian. He talks in tongues now and she said I can understand that that's okay he became a minister within death row and two weeks ago they started let him talk with other they were in for life but not on death row so he was ministering he was on fire for God Donna left this morning because she got a call that he was killed in prison this morning. He has no family, no family at all. So that's a praise report. God took him home. 
He doesn't have to face the execution that he was concerned about facing all those families again that would be there for that. The hardest thing there is is to forgive. There is not a sin that any of us wouldn't do if we were in some same shoes. I'm sorry. There's not. Or if we had not been deceived by the devil and accepted that because no one had taught us. And when you forgive, when that person totally, it's not just saying I'm sorry or turning their life. It's turning their life around so that they make a heartfelt commitment to never, ever, ever, ever go there again. And when others forgive them, not only are their lives changed, everyone around them. They were having Holy Spirit-filled services on Beth Row. You know? So that young man is gone now. But I ask you, young men, take on the task of totally turning your life like he did because yours was nowhere near as bad. Loving others and reaching others as they see your changed life. And God bless you for your strength in coming forward. And I ask you all, please praise God for this young man that went home today because there's no one to do that in, in, for him. Praise God for him. Amen. Just uh, a couple more quick things, and and then and then I'll let you guys go. Storms rise up. Sometimes you can see them on the horizon, and you know that they're coming. You can see those signs in your life that something's happening. So there's a couple things that you can do. Number one, when you, when you know that a storm is coming, you can, you can prepare. You should prepare anyway. But, but sometimes when you know a storm is coming, you know from which direction and you know what kind of storm it is so you can prepare specifically. But they can also rise up at any time. So don't just, don't just leave ropes and things in your boat undone. In other words, in your life, the boat that, that you've created through the Word and through, uh, through your prayer and through communion here at this church don't just don't just let it waste away but be prepared prepare your heart because sometimes you won't have time when that storm rises up you could be prepared to weather storms by following what the word says you know financially for example don't live paycheck to paycheck set set money aside Pay off your bills. We had a government shutdown at the beginning of the, of the of the year. It affected a lot of people. But the ones that were least affected were the ones that prepared. Because they prepared for a storm. I remember Ken talking, sitting up here and talking about that very thing, how they prepared. And then it was hard. It was less affected by that storm because they had a ship that was ready to take on storms got physical needs, you take care 
of those things, especially when you know some storms are coming or, or, they, or that your, your particular ship is prone to hit certain kinds of storms. Everybody has a different body, different struggles and different issues <laughs> and how we care for our body. You know, not the best example either. We all got things to work on that you can prepare. When those storms hit, you, if, you've, if you've prepared and you know what kind of storm, you can see what kind of storm it is, don't continue to look at the storm. That was Peter's problem. He had his eyes on Jesus at first, which is where your eyes should be. But, but, but what, was his, what was his biggest problem? He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he looked at his situation. He looked at the storm, and it overwhelmed him because, because when you have Jesus in your field of view, anything behind it that's going on behind him, that's in, you know, with him in profile, he seems far less violent or boisterous. The word said. <laughs> when you take your eyes off Jesus and you only look at the situation, that's all you can see. Because when you take your eyes off Jesus, you're taking your eyes away from the Word. You're taking your eyes, yourself away from prayer. Or you're taking yourself away from church. Remember those three things we talked about that, that help you build the boat? You take your eyes off of those things, that's taking your eyes off Jesus. And you're looking at just your situation. And you're trying to weather the storm on your own. And you're stepping out of your boat without your eyes on Jesus. And you're sinking. And that storm envelops and overwhelms you. Don't let it take you down. You put your eyes back on Jesus. And you praise Him in that storm. There's a song by Casting Crowns called "Praise I Will Praise You in This Storm. I will lift my eyes. You are who you are, Lord, no matter where I am. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Praise Him harder when you're in the storm. Read more when you're in the storm. Pray diligently when you're in the storm. Come to church more when you're in the storm. Your flesh and your first tendency is usually the wrong one. Because that's what the world says to do. Oh, you're having financial problems. Well, you got to quit tithing. In the meantime, they're there with you at Starbucks getting the $4 cup of coffee. And you could have made it home for 10 cents. And yeah, I'm sure it is good. It, it's, it's great. I like going out to eat, obviously. <laughs> but maybe, maybe I didn't need to go to that restaurant. Maybe I could have bought sandwich stuff. I'm depressed. So I'm going to, you know, go, yeah, I'm going to go shopping and make myself feel better. Or I'm going to do anything but what the one thing that I should do, which is, which is pray or read the word. Again, I'm, we're all guilty of, of one of these, more of these, okay? We all have trouble. We all struggle. But don't listen to what the world says, especially in our society today. It's just getting worse and worse. We're doing the wrong thing. Don't return violence for violence. Don't return evil for evil. Don't, don't be insane. The definition of insanity. 
doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I just, I don't know why I can't, you know, stop, you know, doing this, this thing. Because you keep doing it over and over. Every day you get up and you do the same thing you did yesterday. And you're like, why isn't anything changing? You know, you're not going to kick a ball, you know, to, to the east. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to kick that ball to the east just like you did yesterday, and it's going to go backward on you. It's going to curl over your head and go backward. It just doesn't work that way. That's, physics don't work that way. I don't drop this every day. On the 363rd day, I drop it, and it flies into the air. It's insane. So if you want a different result, do something different. I want you to try what God says. Put your eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm. Okay, I think I got through two and a half pages of his notes. <clears throat> He'll be back next week. Thanks for being patient with me. Pray for this couple, this family. Pray for each other. Love on each other. Let's say a prayer. Lord God, we all have storms. Some of the storms are going on right now. Oh, we pray for Don Hartsock. He's sick today. Lord, he's been sick for a long time. He's going through a storm that's been building in his life because something isn't working right. We command it to come into alignment. Lord, you see the preparations that they've done in their lives. And his eyes are on Jesus. And we stand with him. We're part of his boat. We're part of his crew. So we batten down the hatches, Lord God, and we stand ready to listen to your command to steer properly through this storm for him. Thank you for his healing, Lord. Thank you for giving the doctors wisdom. Other people that are in this, in this church that are hurting, they're hurting or they're, they're sick, help us to make wise decisions, Lord. Help us to get our boat fixed. People are going through mental Issues they're, de they're depressed or they're apathetic or, or they struggle with fear and frustration or they have anger problems, whatever it may be. Help them to fix their boat. We put their eyes on Jesus to be slow to anger, to exhibit the, the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Lord. People, some of us are struggling at work. We're just not finding passion in what we're doing or, or having trouble with co-workers or bosses or people under us. Help us fix our boat. Some people are struggling with neighbors or other people in the community. We've got enemies out there. Either people that we've made or are there enemies because we don't even know why? Help us fix our boat. Help us steer toward you. Help us in prayer. Help us to read your word. Help us to not separate ourselves from church. These three things that we can do to fix our boat. Some people are struggling with, with their family. We got kids who don't know you or parents who don't know you. We got family members that are off on drugs or alcohol, or they're just in rebellion. 
help us fix our boat. We're going through storms. Some of us went through a storm. We just got done with it. We're just tired. Help us to have energy so we can get our boat ready for the next storm. Some of us have a storm that's just starting. Help us have strength so we can get through the storm because maybe it's a long one. Some of us can see a storm coming on the horizon. Help us prepare, get ready, fix our boat. Some of us, it's calm waters. A storm could happen at any time. Help us fix our boat. Some of us are struggling and we're, we're frustrated, we're unhappy, and, and we don't even know why. Help us fix our boat. We fix our boat, Lord. Help us to read your word. Help us to pray, intercede with you, to communicate with you, Lord. We're supposed to be the bride of Christ. We're supposed to be in this loving relationship with you. Help us to use relationships that we have here on earth as, as, as an understanding physical example. It doesn't make sense if six days out of the week we live apart from our husband or wife. We go see him once a week. And all we do when we go to see him is we hand him a list of things we want. That's not a relationship. We have a spouse we want to live with. We want to see them every day. We want them to be the first thing we see when we get up and the last thing we see when we go to bed. That's how we should be with you. Help us fix our boat. Some of us have separated ourselves from church. And I realize the ones that have done that are probably not here. Help them to fix their boat. We don't come as often as we should. We get here only when it's convenient or when we're able. We put other things above coming to church. We're mad at somebody so we don't come. Or we prioritize sports because that's just how schools work these days for some reason. Or we, we skip. We do other things. We, we're tired. It's not convenient to come on Tuesdays or, or it's just too tired to come on Sundays. Help us fix our boat. Some of us don't read the word. Maybe it's boring. It's not the storyline we wanted. Our words are too hard. Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to read for five minutes. Help me fix my boat. God, whatever storms are going on right now, I pray that when you get in the middle of them, we put our eyes on you, you would calm those storms. When we see you walking on the sea, we would recognize you for who you are because the only person that that could possibly be is not a spirit and not a duck and not a raft, but our Lord and Savior. So instead of being full of fear and saying it's a ghost, we're full of hope and we're joy and we say it's the Lord. And he's walking to me in the midst of my storm. So I lift up my hands and surrender and I say, here I am. Get in my boat. Help us with these storms, Lord God. Some of them are on the horizon. Help us get ready to be full of faith and not fear. Some of us have started the storm, and it's getting scary. Help us to have strength and not weakness. 
And some of us are mad at our, our shipmates because they're not pulling in the same direction. We don't think we should be going that way. And this storm, we've been at it for a long time. Help us to have love, not hatred. God, fix our boat. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done. We turn our eyes to you. We will walk with you and we walk towards you as we go today. In your name we pray. Amen. Give somebody a big old hug. Hold on just a minute. Um, day before yesterday, I had a friend that was walking in broad daylight down National Parks Highway. And a man in a white truck in his late 30s, bald, uh, muscular, tried to pull her into his truck. So ladies, if you don't have pepper spray or some kind of alarm, use the buddy system and don't go anywhere alone. Be careful. Take care of each other. Okay. Take care of your families. Other guys, have a great day. Thanks for letting me talk to you. And God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.